you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ogaboom, fakes, throws the screen, has it batted away and picked off in the air by Daryl Grant. Touchdown, Redskins. David, football, football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program, available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Oh, a great moment from a title game that altered history. Had that pass not been deflected and maybe Hogaboom rallies those Cowboys, who knows the conversation we might be having about the skins in pro football lore versus the Dallas Cowboys. A guy who was out on the field on the wrong side that day, but uh, seated to my immediate left today, and I'm very excited. It's, I believe, his virgin run here in Studio 66. It is my first, if that's what that means. It's my first time, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. (laughs) One of our very favorites, uh, you know, I I fell very much in love with him. One-sided, perhaps, but still, when I met him nine, ten years ago, he proved himself to be, and I've long called for there to be a uh, a most interesting man. Get on this, Dosekis, already. <laughs> Please. Most interesting man in the football world. You know, we just talked to another one last week. I encourage, they demand you go dig up the podcast we did hour long with Chris Long, mm. back-to-back Super Bowl participant and winner. He had some do's and don't tips for uh, for this year's uh, teams. I don't know if you heard, but the Super Bowl is going to be played at the end of this week. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, enough about that. Go listen to that one. It's my main man, Brian Baldinger. What's happening? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, it's good to be with you, man. You know, it's, uh, I just, I mean, I've been sort of on this world tour. I was in London Mm -hmm. for the first, uh, for wild card, divisional, and championship games, working for Sky Sports. So for like three weeks. Three straight weeks I was in London, which, you know, you dropped me in the middle of London. I mean, I I could get myself through the Tower of London, and I get myself to Buckingham Palace. I mean, I could get around pretty good. I know the tube. So um, I had a great time. Uh, what to see the longest running play, Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. It's been, on, it's been running in London for 60 straight years. 
you know, so I went to see that. I mean, it just did a lot of different things. Mousetrap. See, Mouse I trap. love I love the stage production that was turned into a great Michael Caine, Chris Reeves movie back in the early 80s, right around the time, in fact, that you were playing in that uh, that Skins-Cowboys game. Um is uh was uh, was death trap death trap remember that yeah, sure that i do a, that was a good one anyway so uh, hi and hello and welcome to the dave damashek football program presented this week this super bowl week by DiGiorno's. that's a good way to enjoy the mm, big game it is. on sunday eating some pizza pie with your pals and everything else and before Perfect. we jump in on football and i think the thing that uh, you and i love to talk about is um, football history, Super Bowl era history, and I think we, you and I could probably do seven hours by digging in on the um, 100th year list mm-hmm. and the what they got right, what they got wrong. But I want to let's talk some Super Bowl. But first, the big news from the past weekend, Kobe Bryant, and you're born in, you're born in Pennsylvania. You're a Philly guy. So mm-hmm. I, I suspect you have some yeah. distinct insight on this. And you were around in a little kid when uh, Roberto Clemente passed away in, in my favorite player. PA. So uh, so that's a, 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 a you know, an my unfortunate first, place to my, overlap there. My, my first baseball game I went to as a Pirate fan born in Pittsburgh, was at Three Rivers. I think it opened in 70 or 71. Mm-hmm. Uh, 72, I think. Is it 72? I think so, because, yes. Well, I thought it was 71. anyway, seven, but no, it wouldn't have been because, yeah, they played the World Series against the Orioles, not in Forbes, but in – So, yeah, I, anyway. I, I, you know, my cousin took me, out to, took me out to see the Bucks, uh 99 cents out there and, you know, out in the bleachers. And I was a Roberto Clemente fan growing up. But, you know, with this Kobe thing, Dave – like, you know, I'm from Philly, live in Philly. And so he comes out of Lower Marion High School in 1996. Now, I went to Duke. He was being heavily recruited by Coach K. All reports were that he was going to go. We always were kind of like, okay, how do we keep this thing going there? Um, and so, we, you know, we were sort of listening to it, following it. But that year, Iverson gets drafted in 96 by the Sixers. Kobe comes out in 96. And they, would, they were playing these pickup games on Broad Street, this gym called the Sporting Club. And the word was coming out of Kobe, Iverson. Um, there, was, there was all kinds of NBA players that were there at that point. And, like, Kobe was taking these guys off the dribble, you know, and he was winning these matchups uh, back then, you know, coming right out of high school. And so, we, like, everybody was – the buzz was so great. We were all trying to sneak into the gym, go watch some of these matchups. Mm. And I did. Me and my buddies, like, we were all basketball fans first. We were, all, we, we were watching some of these matchups, and it was like – you know, it was post-Summer League stuff, Baker League and that kind of thing, but it would have that sort of intensity to it. You know, they wouldn't do any of that stuff now. But, I mean, back then in 96, to have Kobe and Iverson on the court, 18 and 19 years old, you know, um, it was pretty It was pretty incredible. Well, and, you know, and 25 years-ish later, um, here we are, and it occurs to me that in the social media age, everybody wants to weigh in and, and – and, it feels like the one of the best things I've heard, and and I think the most striking thing of all is the reaction of I won't, won't even call them his athletic peers because he had few peers even in the pro ranks, but the reaction from this generation, the last twenty years worth of professional athletes, the tipping of the hat is is I don't I can't recall an equivalent to that with the possible exception of when Ali passed away, but that was Ali's. You know, his career yeah. predates there. There aren't very many people walking around these days that remember Ali, you know, when he was going toe to toe, when he was Cassius uh, Clay going sure. against Sonny Liston and all that. 
And so it's striking. And I think one of the be- maybe the best thing I heard was on Sunday and you saw all those um, the fans around Staples Center was that there was a random Lakers fan who said Kobe to me was not just a human being. He was a generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly right. I think 20 years in the same uniform for Los Angeles you know, if you're 35 and there's a decent chance you are, if you're listening to me right now, you're more likely 35 than you are 65. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, he is he's you didn't see Magic Johnson. You certainly didn't see, um, you know, Kareem in his prime or any of that. And I think that's right. And I think people want to figure out a way to say something profound about it. And mm-hmm. the, the human element of it is, of course, far more tragic for the people who know him. But I also think that. 20 years and him providing and we we as fans, we bask in that reflected glory. And that's enough. You know, we, you don't have to make it bigger than what it is. He was, he was your a generation. hero. You're right. No, I mean, 20 years is a generation. That's it's mm-hmm. sort of defined by 20 year stretch. And to be at the top of your game for 20 years. I mean, you know, Hall of Famers get to the Hall of Fame for dominating for a decade. That's right. For a decade. You're at the top of your game for a decade. You get serious consideration for the Hall of Fame. He did it for two decades. So, and then, you know, the suddenness and the tragedy of it and the way that it happened, when we're watching this guy in real time go from this generational player to, like, this generational person. I mean, he's just madly in love father with his kids. He's what we want all athletes to do, to be able to completely – rebuild themselves and redefine themselves beyond the sport. And he was doing all of that business, you know, Academy Awards, whatever. I mean, it seemed like he had it figured out when very few guys ever figured out. Mm, mm. Well, and uh, those are, I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting with you. You are one of those guys who clearly stands out in post-career or in a different career now who's somebody who did figure it out uh, relatively early on in life. Um, But let's talk some football now, and we talk about transitioning out of playing days to out. And so I guess this um, lends itself, uh, hopefully not too awkwardly, into some pro football talk. Are we all of a sudden, the debate has been, at least on this show, for three months, where's Tom Brady going to be next year? Where's Phil Rivers going to be? Where's Drew Brees potentially going to be? All of a sudden, Eli Manning, we already know that uh, he's out. All of a sudden, is it possible that these guys aren't anywhere in the NFL? I mean, are, are is Phil Rivers rightly an answer in any of these 32 teams at this point? I don't know. I mean, I, I was just, just came from the Pro Bowl, Dave, and so I'm around Lamar. I'm around Deshaun. We're going to watch Patrick Mahomes. Like, I remember when, you know, Elway and, you know, and, and that group and Marino and those guys were all moving on. And you thought, wow, how's, how are we going to we, – we've always – this is the NFL. We always find the next wave. We've mm-hmm. got the next wave. They're here. Oh, that, that's right. They're here. No doubt. So, you know, whether Phillip Rivers, you know, now being released, you know, from the Chargers here, if he finds a home, I don't know. I mean, these guys had 16-year careers. I mean, when you sign up, when you get drafted and you're the first-round pick and all that kind of stuff, you, you hope you get a decade. If you get what any of these guys have had, it's they've had as good a career as you could possibly dream of. To try and extend it, even if it's Brady right now. I mean, I, I don't think there's a better spot than New England for him, personally. I mean, I think that build around him. you got a defense, go give him some help. And you saw just one, one week Antonio Brown, what he did. It seemed like the offense changed with, in one week there. But 
if they, I mean, the, the, to get little micro about your larger point, but if they go and sign, if they can go get Hunter Henry, I, I mean, that team's ready to roll yes. in 2020. Well, no, no, I mean, look, I mean, so anyway, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, do you trade out Phillip Rivers for Tom Brady and try to fill seats? I mean, is that, are you, I don't know if that's a good move. I don't know if that's a, if that's even possible, I don't know. Cam would sell seats if you wanted to fill the new stadium here in Los Angeles. Yeah, but I don't think like I, everybody tells me you got to fill. You know, the Chargers need fans. I'm like, you don't sign a player. I don't care what position it is to put fans in the seats. It doesn't happen. You're not going to put a 38 year old quarterback or 40 year old quarterback to sell seats. I don't think you're going to buy sell that many seats. I think you'd better off go draft Tua and show him what. They just saw in Houston what they're seeing in Kansas City right now. I don't know if he's going to be that type of player. I haven't studied him that hard yet. But, like, go get yourself a young quarterback and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what gets people excited. Well, and that's exactly right. And actually, I, this is unintentional, but this does kind of, again, I'm talking about the athlete Kobe Bryant. I'm not talking about the the larger figure. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting as we talk about the 20-year, you know, the generation for Los Angeles sports fans and the meaning that Kobe has for, for those people rightly. Um, that's exactly right. And to further that point, Bringing in some guy at the tail end like Namath or or well, did that with United or Unitas, those that that is not a, a lasting choice. I do get it if you want to market yourself and say like, look at all the stands now have powder blue in them. I think the wiser thing is you got to bite the bullet and accept that for another six to ten years you have to cultivate a new generation of fan. You, the answer is not to win over a 38-year-old person. The answer is to win over people whose brains have not decided yet, no, I'm a die-hard Cowboys guy. You have to win those people who are 10 years old right now, and they will if Tua proves to be a transformational figure Look, in the organization. I, you could put Patrick Mahomes, in my mind, in any depressed market, and you are going to have fans. Hmm. You're, you're, you're going to put. You're going to cultivate new fans. You're going to develop fans. You're going to fall in love with them. I mean, I, I, I'll watch that guy do anything. I mean, I just think he's that type of talent. And look, he's in Kansas City. It's a great fan base. You don't have to worry about it. But I just think if Patrick Mahomes came here to Los Angeles, and you were building your team around him, you'd have that place sold out pretty quickly. Um, I think that Patrick Mahomes, the comp I keep making hmm? is, and my fear for Mahomes and for. The NFL, low-grade fear, but um, the NFL needs, if in fact the Patriots dynasty is on the fade now, um, it needs, if if every game, I get parity, I understand why every commissioner, why every league, why every network that uh, pays to have the rights to these leagues want to have parity because it engages a, a, a bigger swath of America, but I believe in merit, and I also think, ultimately, dynasties are better because you need a yardstick. Mm -hmm. And so you want, I kind of think, you want Mahomes and the Chiefs to win to establish themselves as the new yardstick. As a barometer, I agree. Let's now tie it, though, to the guy I always compare him to, Dan Marino, because I feel like their careers are potentially early on kind of tracking transformational Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. numbers and, oh, we've never seen a talent like this and all that. Second year for Marino, runs into the Niners buzzsaw and... And Joe Montana, the old, uh, the, the the elder statesman, takes him down with the help of a high end defense, and and I feel like that's what Brady did to Mahomes in the AFC title game. Now onto the next year, we're kind of inverting title games and Super Bowls, but now this year Mahomes 
um, over, you know, is now playing in the big game. But here comes a high-end defense, much like Marino got got by. Mm, 49ers. Well, in the Orange Bowl, the following title game, where he could have gotten up against the Chicago Bears in Super Bowl 20. Mm -hmm. I'm playing a little what if with you here. This is where Baldy and I uh, love to kibitz. We love to play what if. What if that one play had gone differently? What if. Dan Marino, first of all, let's play some let's play some of this. Because I think the football gods have deprived us a little bit of better Super Bowl matchups over mm-hmm. the year. The number one I always point to is Super Bowl 20 because Marino and company down in the Orange Bowl, yeah. or I think December 1st, December 2nd, something like that, on Monday Night Football, Bears chasing undefeated season and all yeah. that. Marino gets them, and he throws all over them all night long. Mm-hmm. If he takes down the upstart Patriots in the Orange Bowl, a game they clearly looked over in his mm. third season, and they play the Bears on the fast track in the Superdome. Who mm. wins that game? Well, I would go against – I mean, I, I, I had the pleasure of uh, playing in the same division as Dan Marino mm-hmm. and when I was in Indianapolis. And, you know, usually offense linemen were just cattle. we just go to the corner of the – of our bench there, and we just sit there, except I was a Marino fan. So I just took a knee and watched Marino in the in the best seat in the house, right mm. on the sideline. I mean, I wouldn't bet against Dan Marino. I've seen him, you know, carve my guts out too many times. He beat us. The Cowboys had played, went to 16 straight postseasons in a row until 1984, and we played Marino in the Orange Bowl on a Monday night in Week 17, and if we win, we go to our 17th straight playoff as a Cowboy. And Marino... Got the ball back with two minutes to go in the game, and it was too much time. And he hit Duper on a 60-yard post and split, you know, downs and, I don't know, Klinkscale, whoever was back there. And, you know, we, we got bounced out of the playoffs. I mean, that nobody – and they, you know, player safety is player safety, but they knocked the living hell out of Dan Marino that night. Two tall Jones, Randy White, it didn't matter. Like, he just kept getting up and firing. The way we've seen Mahomes, you know, just keep getting up and mm-hmm. firing right now. You know, I saw Mahomes get hit 16 times by Baltimore last year at home in 2018, and he wins the game at the end. I mean, it's just like that guy's just irrepressible. Um, speaking of those games that we were deprived of seeing, the one that I pined for as uh, on, on New Year's uh, Day that I hoped we would get, and I've been pretty happy with the way these playoffs have unfolded uh, as, a, as an objective fan, um, but I feel like, and I've made this case already. I think you could have had a Saints-Ravens Super Bowl mm-hmm. pretty easily if a couple things happen in Week 17. One, Stephon Gilmore stops Devontae Parker mm-hmm. on that last drive. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are a two-seed, right. and the Chiefs are so a three-seed. Three I think Well, the, I, I, it probably yields a divisional round game of Chiefs at Patriots. Whoever wins that... Baltimore would have gotten the Texans in the division round. They would have whipped the, the Texans. So at minimum, you would have had in Charm City, and it was snowing in championship weekend back there. Mm-hmm. Who would have won that? First of all, who, who would have won the divisional round game if Mahomes goes back up to Foxborough this year? I still think Kansas City, because I think New England was going to struggle off. I agree. Okay. So I, I would still take the Chiefs, no matter how the Chiefs defense played, but I just think offensively, they were just, the Chiefs were going to score too many points. Okay, and then if the Chiefs then do go up to snowy Baltimore for the title game, it's funny how fast things move and how quickly we've moved on from the Baltimore Ravens and the Look, phenomenal just, season. I mean, I, just, I, I felt bad. I saw John Harbaugh at the Pro Bowl last week, and I, I felt like giving him a hug. Like, that team was the best team in the league. Mm. 
I thought. And, you know, to, but, you know, the one thing that Greg Roman had never had to do all year was come from 14 down. Now, I mean, it's it was still this 14. thing we circled all season long. Like, what if they get in that situation that but, they've just never still, seen? But I still feel like they didn't play. It was 14-6. I still didn't feel like they played it right. Mm-hmm. Like, the running game is the running game. It's what got you 12 straight wins. That's 14 but, and 2. And they went away from it. But isn't that what happened? Yes. When you see not just the end of the game, the clock ticking down, but you can see the end of the season and all that stuff, and you get panicky. That's why I always talk about the curse of Sposta. I think they felt the weight of we're supposed to win this game, and we've won, we've we haven't been in this situation all year, and they panicked a little bit, whether it was Roman I, or Harbaugh. I asked or, Roman. I asked Lamar. Roman in week 16 in Cleveland. I said, the only thing you guys have been well tested. You've seen San Francisco. Patriots, you've been well tested all year. The one thing that you haven't had to do is come from. I just threw out fourteen nothing down. Sure enough, Tannehill's got fourteen up on the board, mm-hmm. and you know they're kicking field goals and missing fourth downs. And you know, I mean, I just felt like it just snowballed against them, and they just to throw it fifty something times like that. Like they never had to do that. It is interesting that. Andy Reid, and it has been something people always point to, he's never had the power run game. He's never had that in Philly, and he's never had that in KC. And I think that's in fact, it's weird that that uh, that benefited him because Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey, I think, are the thing that are going to be hard to duplicate. You can't just watch what they did against the Ravens in and in September 2020 say, well, just do exactly what the Titans. Well, right. you don't have those guys, yeah. so you're not going right. to be it's not going to be that easy sure. for you. But I also think that the Chiefs looked at that and said, "Okay, we're not going to try and run anyway. We're yeah. not going. We're not running between no, the tackles." Andy, on that's you not anyway. what Andy does. Okay, but in this one, why? What is your sense of this? You're as good with Super Bowl era history as anybody I can think of. I ask this to Chris Long. Mm-hmm. I ask it to you now. Why do you suppose? I can tick through all the examples if you want me to, <laughs> or you can just trust me. Or you know what? I printed out every Super Bowl <laughs> for you for a point all of right. reference, with the exception of Super Bowl twenty four. Okay. The aforementioned Joe Montana yeah. and the uh, the best offense in pro football that season went against the number one Denver Broncos defense and whipped them 55-10. Yes. That is the exception that proves the rule, that in Super Bowls, great defenses, top one or two scoring or total defense, has always beaten, given that with the exception of the one I just gave you, has always beaten a number one or number two scoring or total offense. Why? Because I think that the offenses have, you know, it, it, they have accumulated all these stats against defenses that aren't that good. And so the numbers get skewed, right? And so you know, it's, a, it's like quarterback play. Quarterback play, you can have quarterback ratings like Ryan Tannehill had this year. And then you got to go make plays on third and ten, and they haven't had to do that. And all of a sudden the rating just drops. Uh, and there's certain quarterbacks that when they get up against the best defenses, where you have to be pinpoint. You're going to have to make like Nick Foles made in his you know championship run. You have to make five throws that are highlight throws that live with you the rest of your life. Nick made ten against the Patriots, and they they were unstoppable in what they did. But like quarterbacks haven't had to do that. Make the the perfect throw, the back of the end zone to Corey Clement, and drop it right in the bucket before it hits that end line. Mm-hmm. Like. Those are the throws that win championships. And if you're not good enough to do that, then defense will swallow you up. Okay. Is Jimmy G good enough to make those five throws over 60 minutes against a defense that at minimum has been much better in the last if uh, he gets, two months? If he gets the benefit of good play action. If, he, if he's faced with third and 13, he's got to play drop back quarterback. And he's going to have to scan and, 
Spags got this blitz coming over here, and he's got to go here, and he's got to make this pinpoint throw? I don't think so. Hmm. I feel like the catch 22 of Jimmy G is, and this is something that affects a lot of guys that are, that are play action dependent, which isn't a knock on them. They're only, no. they're, I always say they're three to maybe seven guys that can straight up drop them in any offense and they can carry a, a, an entire football team to, to January glory. Um, Jimmy G isn't one. Jared Goff isn't one. No. And we saw Jared Goff is, am I right? As you break down all this tape, that Jimmy G has to use play action to succeed, but he gets very confused when he turns his back and then looks back up at the defense. He keeps throwing the ball over the middle, and he never sees those linebackers and safeties that creep in from the other side. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, he, he got he got picked, you know, by uh, uh, by Eric Hendricks, you know, didn't see him, you know, against Minnesota. And those can be critical mistakes, you know, just so happened that they ran the ball so well, just they just overcame it. But, I, I mean, I like a lot of things about Jimmy G. I like his release. I like his temperament. I like his toughness. But, you know, when you're talking about being the, with the, throwing the ball with the precision of a diamond cutter, I haven't seen that on a consistent basis. What would you do, Baldy? Again, here, th- these are good questions, I think, for people who've been around for a little bit and studied the generations of pro football. Um, if you were Jimmy G or Patrick Mahomes and you know a billion people are going to be watching you would you go clean shaven or would you just not shave since the title game just like let it go and look like a mountain man scary well I, I tell you this I wouldn't do anything beyond what I normally would do like I wouldn't go this is Super Bowl Sunday I gotta just go raw I gotta just let it go mm. I, I wouldn't and then I wouldn't go I gotta get the perfect trim like I wouldn't do any of that I'd go whatever f- feels right going into that week, to that Friday, that Saturday, that Sunday. If you wake up and you go, man, I just want to be, I just want to look, have that all-American look here today, man, and just go clean up. I, I would do whatever feels right, but I wouldn't go out of my way to create a certain look. Um, all right, bouncing back to the game at hand here, uh, Super Bowl 54, some final thoughts from, uh, from Baldy here um, on the big game upcoming. First of all, I think this is as fascinating a uh, a head coach battle. I mean, everybody made a lot out of McVay v. Belichick. I think this is the same two, you know, two different generations kind of guy. Do you give one or the other an edge based on specifically what you've seen from their coordinators and beyond this? Well, I think, you know, both of them have some ghosts to eradicate. You know, I mean, Andy Reid in championship games and Super Bowl, his one Super Bowl appearance, we're still waiting for him to get to a hurry-up offense against the Patriots. Hmm. And to see Kyle Shanahan in Super Bowl 50, you know, make that call after Julio Jones, you know, basically puts the game on ice and to drop back and throw it and sack and all the things that happened to give the Patriots a chance. I mean, he thinks about that. They, one of these guys has a chance to eradicate things that have really haunted them. I mean, certainly Kyle's been haunted that by that over four years. And Andy Reid, he can deny it all he wants, but he's been haunted by not just the Super Bowl, but some championship game calls himself. And one of those guys is going to come out of this thing. He's going to be like he just went through the car wash. And Do the Steve Young uh, with the help of Maybe. Um, yeah, whoever. Might. Who was that who uh, took the monkey off his back for him? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that it, it'll be that dynamic. I think so. Final I think it's going to feel like that. I think that practically – and I know, and t- t- explain to me this. Everybody started celebrating Spags and look, the defense is fixed and everything else. To me, the pinch nerve for Frank Clark 
meant meant a diminished Frank Clark for the vast majority. I think him getting right is why the defense is better. But is it still enough with Suggs in as well and Chris Jones close to health and everything else? Is that enough to stop the run game that very few people have have slowed down? Because to me, great defense will slow down the high-end Patrick Mahomes QB in. Unless, unless he just is so such an anomaly in the history of pro football that he's just going to blow up all the numbers that I or not the numbers I shared with you, but that these high end defenses almost always beat the high end offense in the big game. Plus, they're just going to be able to grind that ch- the Chiefs defense. Let's not get crazy. It's not like a, a top no, five shut, rugged unit no, that's going to stuff they, the they, run. They, they shut down Derrick Henry, but this is a completely different game. Yeah, I mean San Francisco. They don't move the line of scrimmage. You know, they're, they're not they, – they just – all they do is mm-hmm. – all they do is build a picket fence, and they just trap you. And Green Bay's playing bear defenses, and they're loading up in the middle with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and all these guys, and, like, more guys you want to put in there, more guys we're just going to trap. We're just going to zone them up. We're going to just scoop them all, and we're going to just put them all in this little pen over here. And then we'll run a two-man game with the fullback and with Kittle. And Zadarius Smith, you can't be right. And that's, I mean, they just carved them up, and they did the same thing to the Vikings. And the numbers, and, and what Mike McDaniels, the run game coordinator, does, I mean, this is what Yale graduates do. Hmm. They sit in a dark room for 23 hours out of the day. They eat for an hour. They don't sleep, and they just come up with these designs. And basically, the design is this. If you think about everything is a pattern. So football is a pattern, okay? You run past patterns. It's a, so let's run patterns and then do things to break the pattern. And that's what the 49ers do. They get you to pattern read, then break the pattern. But the key is knowing how you're going to react to the pattern. they got to know that. And they know that. They have the answers to the test. Hmm. So that's what I'm curious to see. Spags, look, it takes a half a year to figure this stuff out. It's, it's complex. They've moved, you know, Honey Badger around. And, you know, they've got all these new roles for different players. But that's going to be the key is – it's not about a scheme of Kansas City. It's about can they break the pattern that the 49ers think you're going to be in. And give us uh, give us your insight. Are you uh, ready I, to make a prediction yet? I, I like the 49ers. Ooh, Baldy and I. See, but I just want you to know, Chiefs fans are very upset with me. I'm sure they are. They told they, me I don't know I don't know anything <laughs> about what I'm talking about. Not just football, no, about but, life. I've been told. <laughs> well, I mean, that's going a little. That's like personal, Dave. You know, you don't let them get. No, personal they, they, but they're not wrong. So that's I have a hard time pushing back too. Hard. You know, but I can no. say that I can say, look, if you ask me six hours from now, I could say, but there's a Mahomes factor. That's I don't right. know what he's going to do. Like it's, you know, I mean, we've seen him make these throws that nobody else can make. Nobody, but nobody even try. You know, that's why they moved on from Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a really good quarterback, but he wouldn't make these, he wouldn't take these shots and these chances that Mahomes has no fear making. And, you know, you can't play with any fear if you want to win this championship. Oh, man. See, I want to, I want to go on and on. And yet it's time for Baldy to go. He's got fancy TV talking <laughs> to do. Well, you know what we have to do? If you're back through here, I, any day, any week after the Super Bowl wraps up, I really want to do. We, we could what if it from yeah. here to to next year. And by the way, be on the lookout. I'm not sure the release date yet. Sometime in February or maybe March, there's going to be a series with me, Baldy, Let's Daniel go back Jeremiah. to the Louisiana Purchase. What if we don't get it? I mean, what, what's our I, Listen, like? we don't have to put the cap on pro football no, history. No, of course not. Anybody, Cap-a-quitic. Any, what, what do we do? What if Cap-a-quitic doesn't do happen? Come on, can we? 
let's let's you know what if the hunts corner the silver market mm-hmm. like what's what, what what what's going on in the world today i don't know yeah and how, i mean and how best do you get around the the, the country of italy without directions you know like yeah. that I mean, if you don't use gps like no. how do you how do you find anything there am i right that's true i heard i'm, I I'm, heard. Driving, I'm driving from sicily to amalfi <laughs> this year so i hope i get lost a few times along the way all right good see that's that's looking ahead not in the rear view mirror which literally you may have been doing because uh i heard tale that you got lost without the gps in <laughs> well i, I kind of knew where this was i didn't know that you had this nice of a setup here not today. this studio didn't you literally get lost driving around italy yes of course but i mean that's, <laughs> me and kurt menifee got lost driving to bari one time you know but it's all right we ended up in a good spot i uh, see there's ne- there's never a bad time can't get lost with here's what here, here, here's the zen saying all right okay um it's better to it's better to travel well than it is to arrive. That's right. You know Better what? to travel well than it is to arrive. That's exactly, you know, it's kind of a, a thing that Kobe was uh, one of his great sayings that was uh, paraphrased from someone else uh, with some wisdom about the human condition about that. That's exactly right. Journey over destination. There you go. You can convince your kids of that. Yes. So you're doing a good job. Doing as a good, a parent. good parenting. That, that's what matters most. Baldy, great stuff, man. Thanks, um, man. We'll be watching you all week here, breaking it down on all platforms. Make sure you check down Baldy's breakdown. Yeah, please. I, I want to tell, for the record, to pat myself on the back, because this isn't as much about you as it is about me. <laughs> the first one or two of those that you put up about a year and a half or two ago, yeah. I immediately said, this is great, and this is Baldy's wheelhouse, and he should do it from now till the end of time. <laughs> I loved it. Thanks and for the support, I, I continue man. to love it. Yeah. Uh, the great Bar- Brian Baldinger, everybody. Uh, more to come from him, hopefully, in the offseason. In the meantime, go, fella, go! There he goes, Baldy. Um, Spaghetti. Where do you come to? I, you know what I'm starting to think? I could, man, I could have gone on and on with Baldy. He was great. He seems like he's full of stories. He had a, even had a friend in the studio that was like uh, whispering off air that like he could, like the places in the world that he's been to and the people he knows. It's just like it seems like you're you're right about the most interesting football man in the world. Were you by chance rolling when he was telling the Summerall story? Yeah. Oh, good. Let's play that uh, at the tail end here, real quick though. So as we're talking about these QBs, it is interesting to me. So now. Um, Jay Glazer, I think the first to, to get it out there that, I mean, you could see the writing on the wall if you were paying attention to it, that um, Rivers and the Chargers are more or less through. What do you, I mean, is there a team that you can think of even that Phil Rivers makes sense for? Is the starting QB that different than, yeah, I'll play backup and somebody can learn at the knee uh, 17, but unless he's willing to do that, what team does he make sense as a starting quarterback for? Plus, he also feels like he has some self-imposed, um, you know, limitations on where he'd even go. I don't think he would like, let's say right. the job in New England is available. Brady, I mean, let's say that what we've speculated about here, Brady to the Chargers, would the, it wouldn't make any sense for the Patriots to say, like, we'll take Phil Rivers now. No, I, and I think what you said about him having limitations of where he wants to go is the biggest point because the one team that I think would make sense in terms of their defense and having a pair of good running backs that you're having, that you have a, a receiver who is a, I think could be a top-end receiver is Chicago. But it's like, does he want to go from, you know, sunny Southern California, moving back to Florida, and then going to cold Soldier Field? Like, who knows? But I think if you put him there, they that team is a win-now team because of how Ryan Pace constructed their roster. Obviously, you know, they traded for Khalil Mack, and they have enough pieces where I think if you had a guy 
and this is the other thing is like we don't turn the ball over, but he has been prone to turning the ball over. Like if he could be the Alex Smith type or just like a game manager when he wasn't the Chiefs years ago, just be a game manager, do enough to get into a certain level. And I think with Montgomery and Cohen having Allen Robinson in that defense, he could in a division where it's in flux, where you don't know what the future of Stafford is in his health. And then you have Rogers, who's, I believe, 36 already and had a kind of down year. Um, you know, the Vikings are probably still the cream of the crop of that division uh, going forward. So they. Oh, I want to get them. into 2020 picks. I like making way too soon 2020 picks as soon as the Super Bowl is finished. So we'll get into that um, later on. But the thing that it feels like to me is Drew Brees is going to retire, which I, you know, I, that, um, just my two cents on it. Maybe he'll feel refreshed. Maybe he's doing the right thing. I always say, uh, asking a guy as soon as the season is over, you coming back, what are you going to do is bad. It's the same thing as stuffing yourself and then going to the grocery store. Like, don't ask me then ask me when I'm hungry, when I'm going to get at the grocery store. Um, maybe breeze. will say like, okay, one more go around. I just don't know if I'm a saints fan, how excited about that. I am. They've, uh, three straight heartbreakers. What indication is there that this year, the next year will be better? He's, he's been the reason that they've uh, to some degree, at least lost um, in some of these January. I think in the uh, Saints fans minds, and I'm speaking all, for all of them is that if they think, Oh, we're just one play away from being a, in, in the next round of the playoffs in the Super Bowl, that, that's kind of what you were saying before. If the seating was different because of the week, the week 17 matchups, they could have had an easier path. I think fans down there in the bayou are clinging onto the hope that it's just like, hey, you know, we get one fumble or one interception this way. It's like it's our chance to be there. And uh, I think they would it would set the team back if they didn't have Breeze because I don't know where they would start from. They have a pick later in the first round. You're not going to get the top end quarterback. Well, they'd have to. They'd have Teddy there. Yeah, but. just tag Teddy. If in lieu of something else, you just uh, you just bring back Bridgewater and you have Taysom Hill. Although I forget, I looked it up and now I can't think of exactly where his contract is with the saints. If they are under full control and I know that's a little bit crazy, but as I have said for the last two, three months now, he's as, as much a candidate in the copycat league for if any team out there is like, Hey, do you see what the Ravens did? Let's try that. Let's see if we can have a, um, a, a, um, a weaker version of what Lamar did and see if we can get by running something like that. I think that Taysom Hill, you could kind of give that a shot. I don't think you fully commit to Taysom Hill at this point in his career, the way the Ravens did with, um, with Lamar, but still, I, I got to think that out of 32 franchises that there's one team out there that's thinking like, or 31 teams like, let's see if we can make that same thing happen with Taysom Hill. Well, Jay Glazer said that they, the saints believe that Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback, but obviously, wow. But if Drew Brees uh, wanted to come back, they would obviously welcome him back for one more year or for however long he wants to play. Uh, Imagine that. Drew I, Brees. Yeah, you can go. We got Taysom Hill. I know Drew Brees wasn't the same Drew Brees as he was years ago where every game was a 500 passing yard game. But I, again, as a, if I was a Saints fan, if Teddy B is quarterback or Taysom Hill's quarterback in 2020, I'm not feeling as good about my squad as I am with Drew Brees under center. He wasn't that bad. Like He didn't have a fall off a cliff moment like he kind of did last year. I mean, he only played part of the season because of his injury, and I think in a way that may have helped him. But you have a you have arguably the best receiver. You have one of the best running backs who also had a kind of down year, and I think it shows you how big of a loss losing Mark Ingram was. 
but th- there's enough there in the roster that if he's there and he plays to you know good to above average level quarterback play, they they're they're always in the conversation. I'm starting to think that I like this idea more and more. I was thinking like, yeah, I'll talk myself out of that eventually when I first brought it up two months ago, um, but now I'm now I kind of like that idea. Taysom Hill with Alvin Kamara get one get get one rugged back to throw back there with them, much like Mark Ingram. And, uh, and make a go. They do have um, the offensive line pieces, enhance that as much as you need to, get a, a, a better pass, I mean, a better blocking tight end. Anyhow, let's not, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole right now. And um, later in the week, I think we'll have Matt Money Smith, right? Uh, I'm going to reach it to Money. I think he may be available this week uh, for us. I'd love on. to get him because he was um, the voice of, pre and post uh, game Lakers mm-hmm. talk for the prime of Kobe's career. So I would uh, imagine that he'll have some distinct thoughts on that. And Phil Rivers, as he departs um, the Chargers, Matt Money Smith, of course, the radio voice of the Chargers. So it'd be fun to kibitz with him and uh, get his thoughts in advance of uh, Chiefs and Niners, what's going to happen there. We'll get those picks, but let's wrap it up here then, Spaghetti, with uh, with a couple of things. We appreciate you checking out on uh, at Damashek is probably the best way to do it on Twitter, but go on YouTube as well and track down. We're going to have some stuff for you with Chris Long breaking down the best and worst Super Bowl uniform matchups of all time, the do's and don'ts of somebody who knows what he's talking about, who played in back-to-back Super Bowls just a couple of years. Years ago, he has some uh, some thoughts on um, on on how to handle game day, the week leading up to game day, and all that stuff. Awesome! It really was a, a great uh, a great conversation with Chris Long. And by the way, I enjoyed that half hour that we just got with Baldy too. Baldy, it was great. It was uh, the first time that I hung out with Baldy in this capacity, him coming on the show, and it was awesome. The one thing I did uh, notice besides his great insight, and I wrote down so many different notes here because he gave a lot of great quotes, uh, especially like the 49ers run stuff and talking about the Mahomes and Marino. Like, I love when old guy, uh, old players go back and tell you like uh, play-by-play stuff that happened, but his uh, when he was putting up his right hand, his he's one of those guys that has one of those like mangled fingers, and his right pinky is like, at a 90-degree angle, and I could not stop staring at it. For oh, that, 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 that finger is, uh, is iconic yeah. at this point. Yeah. Yes, everybody knows of Baldy's uh, yeah. a crooked uh, That's pinky something finger else. there. Um, all right, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's wrap it up then with that story that Baldy was saying as he sat down here in S- Studio 66. By the way, you know what I noticed as, uh, as the names were scrolling by over my shoulder here in 66 on the Digital Wall of Fame? Correct, I might be wrong, but I think I saw uh, a little jealousy, you know, a little Baldy's like, where's my name up there? You know, and I don't know. Maybe that half hour was enough to get him up there. What do you think? We get, we have to add. I mean, there's there's a few players in mind that we need to add to this uh, digital wall of fame anyway. Wait a second. Chris Long's not up I there? That's what I was saying. We don't have Chris Long. We got to get Chris Long. We got to get David Carr as an David Carr definitely must yeah. up there and, uh, and Baldy, too. Although we're getting a little heavy with offensive linemen. But okay, we'll figure that out. Um, <laughs> we right. have the most old linemen in the history of uh, Hall of Fame. Um, all right, let's is. get to that. Uh, this quick little story about uh, sharing the booth. See, Baldy's been everywhere. He really is the uh, the Forrest Gump. Well, wait, that's not the right way to say that. But anyway, yeah, he is kind of the Forrest Gump of pro football, just in that he appears everywhere in all the, the big events. That's what I mean by that. Here is a, a quick tale about uh, about the great Pat Summerall. Dave, Dave. I remember I, I worked with Pat in 2002, 
So it's opening day. It's Spurrier's opening game. It's Redskins, Arizona. We're at RF, we're, we're at the FedEx field. So, you know, our producer, Pete Macheska, you know, he does the World Series now. But, like, it, it's uh, it, it's got a flyover. It's got, like, some, you know, national anthem. It's got, it's got all these different elements, right? So we're all sitting in there, and we're ready to go live as soon as we come off the anthem to take the open. So Pat's just, like, eating popcorn. He's dribbling popcorn on his chest and all this. So some lady's, like, <laughs> wiping it off a sweater. And he just leans, like, we're in a countdown. We're, like, at 10. And he goes, uh, Baldy, are we starting with the Redskins or the Cardinals? I go, we're starting here in Washington, Pat. Washington. He goes, okay. So he just comes in. He goes, Washington, D.C., a great American city. Today's opener. <laughs> <They> just, <laughs> you listen to Dave All right, that's it. Uh, we're not going to do better than that. So uh, spaghetti, we'll, uh, we'll keep it in a couple of days. Um, everybody out there, we appreciate you checking out all the stuff on YouTube, checking out the podcast over on The Athletic and Daves of Thunder rolling on there. Check all that stuff out. Um, more good sports with Adam Carolla coming up very soon, I promise. And more coming up here. Until then, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.